0: Hey, how's it going? What's up? How are you? Good. So how we met, we actually met uh, through TikTok. So uh, TikTok is like the hottest social media app right now, and everyone's on it. So we took advantage of that, like a bunch of other pilots, and started posting content. And I kind of want to talk about that here in a little bit, but uh, we both kind of got a following on that app, which is which is kind of cool. I'm not sure either of us expected that, but you are a pilot and you're, you're duly rated, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah, so how did you get into aviation?
1: So I got into aviation when I was like, I, I was like 14 years old and I was given a discovery flight from my dad as like a birthday present and I didn't like care for it. Like I did it here and there and I actually like soloed when I was 16 still didn't care about it until uh college came around and then I was like oh I could make money with this (laughs) so that's how I got into aviation and the helicopters kind of followed through with that
0: so uh your first intro flight what type of uh aircraft was it
1: okay it was a Cessna 172 and it was like super beat up and it was like September so it was like really warm out and I was not having it. Like it was all right, I'll put it that way. That wasn't like my magic clicking moment, but it really like opened the door for aviation, you
0: know? Yeah, a lot of people talk about like, oh, the first time I was in a plane, it was like, I, I knew it, like I wanted to be a pilot. That was the moment. And for you, it was like, uh-huh.
1: I was like, I'm like too young for this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, but, So would you say that you always knew you wanted to be a pilot or not really? It kind of just came about?
1: So it kind of came about uh, just because my dad was like, I'm going to give all of my kids the opportunity. So like my brother and my sister, they also had like a discovery flight gifted to them. But the thing with the like uh, my 15 year old mindset was you know, money like wasn't an object for me because my parents were covering the tab and I was just like, oh, you're giving me access to a flight school. You're giving me access to an instructor. I might as well do it now because I'm bored. It's the summertime in New York. And that was my mentality towards getting my license initially. I had zero plans, but, you know, as like a teenager, you're like, I'll do it. So that's what I did it. And then after I got my license or like close to it is when I really started to like, love it you know yeah
0: yeah you really like stepped into it so where did where did you go to school so did you have like a tr- so you obviously went to high school did you go to college after that and then did you go to like uh a flight school within a college or just flight school outside of it what was that
1: yeah so you know what Embry riddle is right
0: yeah the, yeah yeah so
1: i'm i <laughs> i'm a riddle kid but um from the arizona campus because i wanted to get out of the East Coast for a little bit. And I, I graduated um, 2021, so just this past following calendar year. And uh, I uh, went there for three years, graduated, did my instrument commercial multi, all the 141 requirements were out of the way after that. Um, and that's also Embry-Riddle uh, has one helicopter program. It is in the Arizona campus, the Prescott campus. So I started my helicopter training through Embry-Riddle's attached helicopter training.
0: And what was the process of getting into Embry-Riddle? Is it, is it pretty selective?
1: You know, uh, my roommate worked for admissions, so I'll tell you a little bit about how that works because they're not as selective as you think. Now they are. Now they're like accepting like, only private pilots. You have to have a high GPA. And I mean, I had a 4.0 high school uh, GPA coming out of high school. So it wasn't like terrible for me, but they'll take anyone, especially females. But the dropout rate is incredible. Like over 50% dropout rate from the flight program.
0: Whoa. Why?
1: Because they'll accept you knowing that, they're, that you're going to drop out because it's that intense. It is like perfection to the max. Like I don't know of any other flight school period. And I've worked at like three now that come even close to matching the energy that Embry-Riddle had. People really? drop out. It's too hard.
0: Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I've, I, I did not know that. And what, how expensive was it?
1: Expense. Oh, so you've got your tuition and then you've got your flight training. So it's separated. And for tuition, I actually got it covered, um, a, a lot of it covered, because I got a bunch of, like, women in aviation scholarships, so that, like, wasn't bad, like, you know, a couple grand a semester, and then the flight training, completely out of pocket. Uh, let's see, the average people will set, spend on a private license over there. A horror story, I heard my friend, she spent, like, 50 grand on a <laughs> private license alone.
0: For fixed wing?
1: For fixed wing. Whoa. Like for comparison, I did mine part sixty when I spent nine grand. Yeah. Yeah, like that's overpriced, like overblown out of the water.
0: Yeah. So how much was uh how much was tuition like just for like a regular person?
1: I wanna say it was like between twelve to fifteen thousand dollars. Like per, I think it was semester, I don't think that was year. Like it's very high tuition. And uh, even people who aren't like part of the flight program pay a lot of money just to be there.
0: Um, uh, that sounds, yeah. I mean, that sounds terrible. And I, I, so is Embry-Riddle primarily targeted at people that want to go to the airlines? Like, is it like kind of just like a pilot factory for airlines?
1: Yeah, I mean, all of the checklist flows, everything you do is kind of set up knowing that you're going to be dumped to an airline. Like um, the pilots that come out of Embry-Riddle who have never experienced anything but Embry-Riddle, if you drop them straight into an airline, they'll do great. If you drop them into a Part 61 school, they're going to have a rough time figuring themselves out because they lose the structure.
0: And so is Embry-Riddle all 141?
1: It is completely 141 school. Uh, There is um, a Part 61 like program you can do like i think you can get like a minor in flight or if you started your private license you can go to Embry-Riddle and finish it there part 61 like a l- i've heard of like one or two people doing that you know most people go for the 141
0: yeah so uh so Embry-Riddle has like an offshoot campus in Prescott Arizona
1: yeah. So it's like two campuses. Well, three, cause we got the worldwide. We've got the one in Daytona, which everyone knows it's like our mother campus. And then like a full campus in Prescott, Arizona, really like a whole second campus. I know we're just smaller.
0: Interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that at all. So talk to me about like your, your experience there. Like what was, what was like the college scene, your experience there. Um, and then talk to me about the helicopter part of, about going out there
1: yeah so um with Embry Riddle it was the smaller campus like I knew that going in but um there weren't a lot of girls there so it was kind of like a tougher crowd you know to like mingle I guess like with other people like I think it was my senior year that we broke like 24% female like in the whole school so like going out and like finding friends to go out with was like super hard and you know, it's riddles. So everyone just wants to study, <laughs> put it that way. But uh, with the helicopter program, that I had a bunch of friends who did their helicopter track through Embry Riddle um, while I was doing fixed wing. And like, I knew these people like through the library cause the fixed wing side and the helicopter side is super segregated. Like we don't talk at all. But I met a few helicopter pilots through the library and I remember they were like, Oh, you should do like an intro flight. And I was like, I would love to. And like I didn't think I could because I thought it was only 141 training. But they actually have like you could do part sixty. I was the only part sixty one uh person going through their one forty one training. Wow. It was like weird. Yeah, I had a flight suit and everything.
0: Um, the helicopter thing out there, does Embry Riddle have like a full helicopter program? Um, to go from like zero to CFII,
1: yeah, they got a whole helicopter track. Um, they just switched companies this year, like as of 2022. So I don't know how that track is going to work out now for anyone that wants to go to Embry Riddle for the helicopter track. But before, yeah, you get a whole degree off of it, just like the fixed wing people do.
0: And is 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 the helicopter stuff one? Well, I guess I can ask for the fixed wing stuff, but I think I know the answer. But is the helicopter stuff like outsourced to a flight school in the local area or do they do it themselves?
1: Yeah, it's not an Embry-Riddle. It is a, a company that contracted with Embry-Riddle. So out there it used to be UHI, Universal Helicopters, that was just contracted with Riddle and they flew their helicopters and everything. So when people ask, I tell them I did my training through UHI because it's not Riddle.
0: Yeah, yeah. gotcha. And what what type of uh, helicopters do they fly for the training there?
1: That was the R-22s and the R-44s, so just Robinsons.
0: Yeah, gotcha. So you, tell me what ratings you have.
1: Okay, so I have, uh, I'm commercially rated in both helicopters and airplanes. Um, I'm also a flight instructor, but just for airplanes, and I have my AGI, IGI. That's pretty much it, and I'm going for my ATP here in a
0: couple of weeks. Whoa. How many hours are you at? I have just a, over a thousand. Nice. What are the, what are the ATP minimums?
1: So for me, just cause I'm at the restricted ATP, it's a thousand hours.
0: Nice. And how, what's your, uh, what's the separation between airplane time and helicopter time?
1: Oh God. Um, I probably have 900 something airplane hours, but I only have like 120 helicopter hours, but uh, the helicopter hours aren't as lost on me because I started flying helicopters when I had hundreds of hours already. So, you know, it doesn't feel as low of a time as it actually is.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, totally. So you started started the helicopter thing like after hundreds of hours of fixed-wing time, Talk me through your process of learning to fly helicopters. Like, what was that like?
1: Oh, I, okay. <laughs> in the beginning, I kind of sucked because, you know, uh, the whole thing with hel- uh, airplane pilots being worse, like the higher time airplane time that you have, it's worse trying to fly specific like at Robinson's. So I remember like in the beginning, I would try to level off the helicopter and I'd like push forward on the cyclic. I remember I had like my very first instructor like hit my hand. He's like, "Don't do that. That's an airplane thing." And I was, I was scared because everything was so backwards to me, and like, you know, doing this in an airplane doesn't kill me, but doing that hard enough in a Robinson can.
0: Yeah, like that low G pushover. I can imagine <laughs> yeah, the instructor was probably freaking out.
1: They, they all did. They freaked out a little bit. Or I went to go talk. So like we'd be hovering and i take my hand off the collective to be like, yeah, like, you know, and my instructors would freak out, and they're like, you can't take your hands off, and I'm like, I take my hands off in an airplane all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. and once, once you get it all trimmed out, it just goes, <laughs> but like a helicopter is like, it's constantly fighting.
1: Oh god, yeah.
0: <laughs> um. So of, okay, so you've got commercially rated in both fixed wing and helicopters, and you've got like a bunch of uh instructor ratings in the airplane side what was the hardest check ride of anything you've taken
1: the hardest check ride hands down airplane cfi really yeah i think that's kind of self-explanatory because you've got to teach everything instead of just spit out an answer to a question Mm -hmm. and fake it
0: (laughs) did you did you ever fail any check rides no, I've never failed a check ride. Oh my God. Wow. More power to you. Good job. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> I failed my, uh, I failed my CFI check ride on engine failures because w- he did the engine failure. Like I was left seat. He was right seat in the 22 and he chopped the throttle and I like recovered and it was all fine. And then he was like, okay, what did I mess up? And I was like, uh, you messed this, this, and this up. And then he's like, what else? And I was like, uh what and he's like there's something else there's something major that I did that you're not telling and I like sat there for like a minute mind went blank not a thought be- in my head and then he's like I was so far out of trim and you and you like didn't say it so I failed because I couldn't tell him that the helicopter's out of trim which was like a really good learning lesson for me like um to under to see those subtle things but failing red sucks
1: yeah. Yeah. Have you ever
0: had a student fail a check ride?
1: Um yeah. So I had a like a, a re-sign off fail a check ride once or twice. Not like um let's see if I ever had anyone I first signed off failed a check ride. One guy. One guy. Nice. And I'm not even mad about it because he was 73 and then he passed on his second time around. So it was like really cool.
0: Ah good for him. Yeah. So how old are you? I'm
1: 21.
0: Oh my god, me too. Yeah, it's so yeah. crazy like when we I don't well when I tell people but what has your experience been like telling people that you've done all these crazy things, you've got all these like ratings behind your name and then you tell them your age like how has that been for you?
1: Um it's either like really like impressed shock or like, it doesn't register and people are like, yeah, whatever. And then they give me the double take and they're like, wait, like, did you mean like you actually fly an airplane? Like, I don't know if you ever get that. Like some people will be like, Oh, like, I'll be like, Oh yeah, I'm a pilot. And they're like, yeah. Like, like a real pilot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, I get that like, a lot. Yeah. Um, Is Well, in being like a young person, have you ever had students question your capabilities or your knowledge just because oh, you were young?
1: My God probably a good 40% of the people I've ever flown with like point blank, uh, whether it's because of my age or my gender have just completely pretended I wasn't in the airplane and then we land and then I can't fly with that person again. Cause it's a safety issue.
0: Yeah. yeah. So talk to me about, yeah. Being like a young female pilot. What have you had any hurdles or has it been like a pretty straightforward process for you?
1: Hmm. I've, had a lot of hurdles. Uh, I had a lot of like uh, men in their 50s when I would be doing their airplane checkouts, you know, uh, not even acknowledge that I'm in the plane or I've had uh, one guy not wanna give me controls on final. And then I was just like, he like landed the airplane fine. So um, when we taxied back, I just told my bosses and he didn't get the checkout in the system cause he wouldn't hand over controls Uh, I had one guy get a pilot deviation because uh, he heard the wrong tail number get cleared to cross the runway, and I stopped on his brakes. I was sitting in the right seat with him. I wasn't instructing him. He was also an instructor. And I go, that wasn't for you. He's like, "Um, I think I know he's like it was for me, and he puts in full power, overrides my brake, crosses the runway, and got a pilot deviation. Ugh, no, so like not even like giving me the respect that like, oh, I'm a pilot, so like you know, if I question something, maybe you should like, yeah, like you know, think about it,
0: <laughs> yeah, wow, that I mean, and i I have to admit that like i've I've been. Uh, question because I've been young but I think there's totally probably a discrimination just for being like a young female instructor like I can I can imagine like older people and especially older men not wanting to take instructions from you and take and when you try to take controls over the aircraft that there's probably some weird stuff that goes on there
1: Uh, so much weird stuff I have stories for days but um no you're absolutely right like it's a huge like Discrimination thing, or on the contrary, I get a lot of old guys that like need a uh, a flight review or just want to get checked out in an airplane that will specifically choose me just so that they they can sit next to a girl in an airplane. They tell me all the time, but like, oh, thanks for doing my flight review. Just like wanted to sit next to some like girl. (laughs) I'm Uh like, this is so weird.
0: Yeah, how do you feel about that?
1: Oh, like I think it's terrible, but at the end of the day, they're (laughs) gonna pay me, so I'm just like. I'm waiting for the airlines. That yeah.
0: So, is that the goal, of the airlines?
1: No. Well, I'm gonna say yes because uh, my airline just hired me. I'm going to SkyWest here in a few weeks. Ah,
0: congrats. Um,
1: yeah. Thank you. But my end goal is helicopters. I want to fly something for helicopters, whether it's air tours, firefighting, anything.
0: Yeah. We love too. that. <laughs> <laughs> You're making yeah. the shift. That's awesome. Uh, What do you want to do in the airlines? Um, Or uh, in the helicopter, like in the helicopter stuff, you said like tours uh, or like firefighting, is there something specific that you want to do?
1: With the airlines uh, right now, I mean, I'm only 21. You know, if I spend four years in the regional airlines and I get to a major airline, while I'm still in my twenties, 25, 26, 27, I think it would be really cool to fly internationally like I would do like those long haul flights like here to Spain, here to China, something like that, um, rather than staying domestically if I stay in the airlines.
0: Gotcha. And I'm, I'm sorry to like switch points, but I, I was thinking about um, last week I was interviewing uh, one of my best friends, Christina, and all month long because it's Women's History Month, I'm like uh, having females on and she was t- she was making the point that she and I, I guess I do this too, but she doesn't like that she is known as like a female helicopter pilot um, or that she's like, or she's like a Danish person. So she'd rather be known as like a Danish pilot or just a helicopter pilot versus being a female helicopter pilot. How do you feel about like, are, are we making the stigma worse by emphasizing it?
1: So... I don't think that you're making the stigma worse because if you completely ignore that there is discrimination, like, uh, then I think you're making it worse, you know, like to a certain extent, and this comes mostly from the older guys, like people, my age will be like, awesome. You're dual rated, but people like my dad's age will be like, wow. And you're a female. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's crazy.
1: Right. (laughs) um so you know it kind of depends on the age group like you're an instructor you understand that like different people are going to understand things differently um I also understand that someone 50 60 70 their mindset is not going to change a lot so if their version of like being power more power to you is by saying and you're female I'll take it I'm yeah, just a very and, understanding person
0: yeah exactly and 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 they're not doing it necessarily to be rude it's just that's just their generation and their mindset and if they support it then that's okay yeah. um so being a fixed-wing cfi so you you don't have your helicopter cfi but you've got your fixed-wing cfi what would you say is the worst cfi the worst of the two cfi jobs to have or the more dangerous one?
1: Oh my god so i am gonna go for my helicopter cfi here in a few months but um I will say, and I say it all the time, a helicopter CFI, so much scarier. I I don't know how you guys do it. Truly like, um, even the other, other day, like I'm a commercial pilot, but I went for like a, just like a review flight to go fly with an instructor. And I was doing an auto rotation. I turned the throttle off first instead of lowering the collective. If my student did that to me, I don't know, dude. <laughs> like again maybe that's just like my airplane time speaking to me but
0: so scary. you throttle chopped before lowering the collective nice yeah, yeah i you know what we've all done that i did that many times and it happens to me like on a weekly basis and it, it <laughs> sucks every time Ooh. but <laughs> i can't um, imagine what's like what's like the worst thing a student could do in an airplane as you're teaching them
1: oh pull the mixture out
0: yeah for me yeah has that happened? Like
1: once. Once. Um, and uh, this was over at Arizona, so really high density altitude. So the mixture is already this far out, and they grab it to pull it out. It's like a near engine cut, which really sucks.
0: Yeah, that's uh a little
1: but um have you ever been in an airplane?
0: Uh yes, a, a couple times I've been in a small airplane.
1: Yeah, so I mean, like I just tell my students to treat it like a video game like you're in g i'm like there's nothing you can do that i won't be able to stop unless they're like physically stronger than me yeah but in a helicopter i'm sure you can't just tell people that
0: yeah well actually (laughs) you know what i do and at this point i think most situations i can handle the one thing uh i think i could handle a lot of things the one thing that i'm pretty sure i couldn't handle is a low g pushover like if the student like totally pushes that cyclic over and we like uh if we start rolling I know that I'm not supposed to like push left cyclic but if I'm like pitching forward and rolling it would just be a tough situation but things can go like when you were practicing slopes when you're on that slope landing how close like you get so close to a dynamic rollover position constantly mm-hmm. like I but- <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely scared
1: my instructor before with those <laughs> yeah.
0: what's uh what, what's your favorite and what's your least favorite maneuver in the helicopter
1: all right my favorite maneuver uh 180 autos
0: nice
1: and I'll say autos all the time because I feel like that was like the one thing I was good at um but um worst maneuver not that it's like bad but my most hated maneuver has got to be a run-on landing like really Shallow approach to a run on landing. I hate it. I hate dragging the skids across like the ground. I feel like it's not natural. I feel like I should be in an airplane.
0: Yeah. That's the thing. That's I love that maneuver because I feel like I'm an airplane pilot.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well,
0: <laughs> there's that. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, no, no, but it, it is a very weird, uncomfortable feeling to slide on the skids.
1: Also like in an airplane at that point, I'm pulling all the way back, like to my chest. And in the helicopter, you want to push forward on the cyclic, so um, I'm not comfortable. Like my brain doesn't allow me to be comfortable with the maneuver.
0: That's really interesting. Um, th- no, that that makes a ton of sense. That's that's really interesting. So I want to ask, what is your like current day to day life look like in aviation? Like, what do you what do you do right now?
1: So right now, I'm just flight instructing part time out of. Um, one of the flight schools here in Farmingdale uh, just part-time because I've I used to be full-time a couple months ago cut it down to part-time so I can travel and do some other things I wanted to do before I go to the airlines uh, now I'm down to one student so my day-to-day life is very calm I just have like a solo here like a flight here and I'm currently studying for my ATP written so that's my current day-to-day
0: so when you were instructing uh how busy were you was it was it was the school you're at pretty popping?
1: Oh my god I was getting close to my duty day every single day. I'm talking like five flights back to back. now I won't do more than three but I used to do like a good five flights a day, two hour flight blocks and just hit hours like so many hours a day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's like for me uh, in the winter it slows down up here just because the weather, the winds, uh, and the snow. But in the summer, I mean, I'm hitting seven hours, seven and a half, seven point eight, a lot of yeah. days. Like, uh, I'm I can't fly anymore, which is a good position to be in. So, how many how many hours? How long did it take you to build up, uh, your hours to get to a thousand? So when you graduated school, I don't know, what did you have, 250 or something?
1: Yeah, I was, um, let's see, I started instructing. I had like 230 or something like that. Um, And then uh, I probably did within my first six months of instructing. No, no. Over the summer in Arizona, for like a period of five or six months, I did like five or 600 hours. I was doing like 100 hours a month. Yeah. And in the last 6 months cuz i just moved back to new york i've done maybe like 300 so i have noticed a huge like gap in like my hours because the winter time is prime time flying over there and the winter time is not here in new york so i have seen a little bit of that drop
0: interesting no that that makes perfect sense 100 hours a month is like a ton that's a it's ton gone. of flying. Um, yeah, that's like near most humans max, I think.
1: Like it, like I was working like Sunday full days. It was like overkill.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, but you know, as we're like, not necessarily young, but just new flight instructors, we're eager for those hours and that's what we want. So, you know, we'll, we'll take it. Cause that's, that's all we're there for. Um, what were your biggest struggles in flight school? uh yeah what was the hardest thing for you to get over in flight school in your piloting career
1: oh the hardest thing for me to get over early in my training probably was any sort of flying i was doing alone because i was absolutely scared of flying like point blank like i liked it scared to fly alone so like even out to my commercial like i would just be so nervous flying alone. Um, And then towards the end of my training, it was, I had a hard time getting over specifically systems. There was something about like sitting down and like hitting the books and learning about engines and something and, and all that stuff that just never clicked with me. And I had to make it click during CFI. But for me, that was the biggest thing. I'm like flying, whatever the oral that was like so hard for me.
0: Yeah. What was your, how long was your CFI oral?
1: Ooh, six and a half hours. Damn. Yeah.
0: What uh, about and, yours? And then you had to fly after that?
1: Oh yeah. I did a three and a half hour flight. Oh I actually had God. to split it up to the next morning. How, what? Yeah. I've just continued like four check rides because of the weather and whatnot. My CFI was one of those.
0: Damn. That's so much. Um, my, I think my CFI ground was maybe two and a half to three hours and then the flight was maybe a (sighs) 1.6.
1: That's shorter than like my commercial. (laughs) My my
0: private ground was maybe 1.5 to two hour ground and then a 1.2 flight. All right. How much, let me ask, how much was your CFI check rate?
1: I paid five or $600 for it.
0: Okay, yeah, that, that seems to be the renting rate. Uh, same thing with helicopters too. So um, if you can, list off all the aircraft you have flown.
1: Okay, I'm gonna start with helicopters because that's pretty easy. Yeah. R-22, R-44, R-66. So.
0: Wait, okay, hold on. We gotta stop right there. So <laughs> did you do most of your training in the 22? Yes. And then how many 44 hours do you have?
1: Like three. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, wh- what was it like switching or jumping into the 44 after the 22?
1: Um, the hydraulics were different. I definitely felt like it was easier. Um, I used the 44 a couple times when it was just like, hey, you want to like go do some hover work or hey, you want to go do this? And I'm just like, yeah, just to hop in. But like, even like the instrument time that I needed was done in the 22 just like a jacked up 22
0: yeah nice and then tell me about your 66 experience
1: about my oh my 66 yeah um that one was really cool do you know what sky kids is no okay so I'm also a a paraprofessional so I'm going to speak a little bit on this because sky kids is where you get um kids with several different disabilities and their families uh, to go take a plane ride or a helicopter ride, depending on what kind of disability the kid has, if they need to sit in the front seat, back seat, family can go, it's like a whole day event. It happens out in Arizona, I think California. And uh, I got my 66 hour through Sky Kids after I was being a loader for these kids the whole day. The pilot was like, hey, you wanna come fly? And I was like, heck yeah. Um, And I flew there once and then I worked another private helicopter party where I was just another loader for the 66. And then the guy after the party was over was like, you want to fly? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) So So, that was it.
0: You got like, so you got two experiences. What did you think of the 66?
1: I think of, I think it's like, it has a really strong memory in my mind. Like, to me, I'm like, oh, I want to fly that again. I think that's so cool. You know, but I also flew the 66 when I was, like, very low time in helicopters. And I was just, um, they put me in the left seat to fly it, too. So, you know, I wasn't even, like, knowing what I was doing half the time. But it left a really strong impression on me.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So, okay, so those are your three helicopter uh, helicopters you have flown? Yeah. Okay, keep going.
1: Okay, so for airplanes, let's see, Cessna 150, 152, 162, 172, 182, 177 Bravo. I taught in an um, Aeroprat A22 um, LS and then an A32 LS. Um, I've done the DA42s. I've flown a Cirrus. Um, I have flown... God, a bonanza, thirty-five, and what else? Oh my God, warriors! Um, all different, uh, like three or four different Piper aircraft, like archers, archer like twos, and um, I did my private in a warrior, Cherokee.
0: Damn. So, yeah. as as you're saying this, this is something that I, I'm pretty confident that most helicopter pilots don't get the same experience. From what I've seen on the fixed wing side, like fixed wing small aircraft, like the GA style aircraft, you guys fly a ton. So like you'll switch in between a bunch of airplanes. For helicopter pilots, like I've got nearly a thousand hours in just the 22 and the 44. And like a 206 and like a Cabri, but very limited amount of aircraft selection. And you guys switch all the time. So what's the process of like learning a new aircraft and what do you have to do to get proficient in a new airplane?
1: And you know what, like I actually have the answer for you because I've thought about this so much. And it's checklist usage, like checklist usage in a helicopter, you know, you have like this memorized flow here or there, doesn't change for an auto rotation very much and whatnot. In an airplane, like it's the real deal. Like whenever I step in a new airplane, especially if I haven't flown it in a long time, the first thing I'm doing is going through the checklist and you know, you're an airplane, so I have it in hand as I'm running through and doing stuff. I'm about to land and I pull out the checklist. Or if I'm totally unfamiliar, I have to go for a checkout flight, but it's usually like one. Um, yeah, just literally one. Because uh, the selection is so big, I'm just going to say checklist hands down is what you got to look for.
0: So I think I think as a CFI, I should know this answer, but um, if you... Like, let's say you just wanted to pick up a a new airplane. How, what would the process be for you to just get in and be able to solo it?
1: Um, depends. So I'm, I'm rated for single engine land. So legally I can get into any single engine aircraft and it's legal. Is that smart? Like not really. I'd probably just go in and get checked out. If it's a single engine airplane, probably one flight. Yeah. I'll say that it's not gonna be
0: too bad yeah and it's like driving like once you know how to drive you can pretty much you could get into like a mini cooper or lamborghini right now and figure it out but uh, there's gonna be differences right yeah um so let me ask you about yourself personally what do you like to do outside of aviation because i know as pilots and aviators we like to just we, we are pilots and it becomes our identity. So what do you like outside of aviation?
1: So outside of aviation, um, well, for starters, I'm like a total like gym person. I don't want to say like gym rat, but I'm really into like fitness and health. And um, I love to travel a lot. And like this doesn't like tie in with the airplane side. Sometimes it does. But I'm a, like, huge travel enthusiast. I'm on, like, 14 countries and counting, like, over 70% of the U.S. states. And, like, um, that's, like, another thing I like to do is on a weekend, if I'm bored, pick up and go somewhere. And in my past life, I'll tell you, I must have been a travel planner or something because I can plan you the cheapest vacation you'll ever see in your life and you'll have fun.
0: Um, Holy cow, that is such a, uh, that's such a statement. I may have to take you up on that. Uh, yeah. Maybe we can leave your Instagram, and uh, you can start a side, a side business doing that.
1: I think I think I might have to. Like when I tell people, I'm like I've done Europe in twelve hundred dollars, like cities three hundred, like crazy. Um, so traveling, working out, going out, and forgetting about aviation on Fridays, Saturday nights. That's huge for me because I'm also a like a person. And you know, uh, aviation isn't like my whole identity. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And it, it's, I have found the more that I have gotten into this career, it, it's becoming very difficult to separate myself from aviation. Um, like, I've got, of course, my hobbies that I like to do, but I, I'm like, I'm like a pilot. And that's just who. I'm associated with that's really cool. Let me ask you this. Do you how do you feel when you're like on the back of in the back of a plane, like a seven oh I watched your TikTok about a seven forty seven? Um oh my God. <laughs> we can tell that story, but like how do you feel like when you're like on an A320 going across the country? Do you like being in the back of a plane or does it bother you?
1: So it doesn't bother me being in the back of a plane because Uh, I like to take the back seat sometimes, especially on an airplane that I don't know how to fly. Um, I will be the nerd sometimes that will pull up the airport diagram and see what runway we're taking off of.
0: Yeah. And listen to live ATC at the same time.
1: Yeah. Or I'll pull up like the flight map. Or I like to travel with friends like who aren't pilots. And sometimes they'll ask me questions. It's really fun to just sit there and educate them on something that like I barely know they're like, why why does the airplane do that? And I'm like, uh (laughs) you know, because like it's a different airplane. But no, it's it's really fun.
0: Yeah, I I don't know because prior to me actually getting into aviation, I did a ton of traveling. Like I used to fly every couple of weeks, and I think I kind of grew to resent the process because I like the aviation and I like the flying and I like being involved in it, but just like sitting on the bat in the back of a plane is it's like boring as crap but maybe not for you and for some people. Um, so w- you said your CFI was the longest and the hardest check ride. What would you, how would you tell your students to prepare for a check ride? And what would you tell someone listening right now? Like, What's the best way to prepare yourself for a, ch- a check ride?
1: So I have a piece of advice that I give to every single one of my students, whether they're taking a check ride, you're taking a test, you're in college, you got to take an exam or something. And it works for me it works for a lot of my students. I'm going to tell you, do not study the day of or the day before your check ride. Uh, Why? Because you know what you know, nothing is going to change within the 24 hours before your test, you need to not think about your check ride, go like have a coffee or something, forget about it. And then go take your ride.
0: I, I tell my students the exact same thing. Do not do anything aviation related the day before your check right there's there's no point
1: like go have fun or something like you know
0: yeah exactly you're not gonna learn anything that you didn't already know Mm -mm. like that week before sure cram and stay up and learn what you can but uh yeah uh, i i support that that's that's great advice what is your best helicopter memory or experience did you ever have a moment that was like this is the best thing ever
1: yeah, and it's probably got to be, like, my first solo. Like, my first solo, and it's so weird because I felt like a kid. Like, I felt like it was, like, a first solo ever in aviation, you know? Like, I don't know. It it was so special to me. Like, I almost wanted to cry because, like, I I never – I think helicopters are some of the most joy I've ever had period. Like there's a lot of airplanes I sit in and I'm like, this is great. You know, like I'm just sitting and I'm not doing anything. I'm not touching the controls with a helicopter. It's like, that is my number one love. And the day I got to solo, it was incredible for
0: me. Wow. So talk me through, how many hours did you solo at?
1: God, um, I was ready around like 2025 something like that i don't remember what the uh course minimum
0: was so for the sfar r22 minimum and the r44 minimum is 20 hours of dual so it must have been at least 20 but yeah. even that that's ve- that's very impressive like that's pretty early
1: yeah it must have been like in the 28 or something like that yeah I don't remember exactly
0: and how did it feel being up there like alone
1: Oh my God, you know, I was actually like really scared because the hardest thing for me was the pickups and set downs. Like I always just dropped the collective too hard and like, you know, like the <laughs> helicopter went splat. Like not bad, but um, that was the only thing I was ever nervous about on the solo. I was like, I don't care. It's just gonna be the pickup and set down that I was afraid of. And actually on my first solo, I did like a 2.3. Whoa, like what? Like off the bat. What? yeah they like sent me on a cross country and they're like ah you know what a cross country is go do it
0: <laughs> all right I was like, okay yeah yeah that's that's not the typical progression i do for my students how i typically introduce my students to it is like first one is pickups and set downs just feel comfortable picking the helicopter up and then the second one i'll do is like taxing around taxing around the airport around the taxiways up and down the runways Get comfortable with that and then if you're feeling good with that pattern um pattern three or four times and then like a local airport so i'll do like five or six flights before i send them on their solo cross country um but <laughs> yeah. i i really like that that slow build up um and it builds their confidence but good for you that's that's incredible and a 2.3 is just like a long helicopter flight
1: it really was but i just had to get the solo time done for it You know, um, I had like the bosses and the owner of like the school come together because they were like, how do we, how do we treat this add on? Like they didn't know like how to go about it. And I had to like bend the rules a little bit for me because I mean, you know, I wasn't a part 141 student.
0: Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, I'm going to ask you, what was your worst helicopter experience?
1: Oh, my worst helicopter experience ever. I don't have like a like a really vivid, like I almost killed myself kind of memory, but I do have um, my only radio failure ever happened while I was um, in a helicopter and I barely knew how to hover and it was my headset. So I have the headset that plugs in for airplanes and I have the adapter for it. The adapter like, was like terrible like it was crappy so when I plugged it in sometime during the flight our headsets just started screeching like screeching to the point that you needed to take it off and it was like that for like the rest of the flight we were squawking 7600 I was like no help I barely knew how to fly and it was there was two parallel runways that were running like consistently and our ramp was on the other side and it was like a pretty like oh shoot moment like what do we do and then we ended up transmitting in the blind and getting across and that was like the one time I was like okay like if I was alone I probably would have just set it down and turned off the helicopter
0: (laughs) was it a towered airport or uncontrolled
1: towered um actually one of the busiest um deltas it comes like right behind LaGuardia what airport it's Prescott, PRC. We came behind LaGuardia and operations. Uh, oh,
0: last- oh, I see what you're saying. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well. good job. Okay, now I want to ask you about your airplane stuff. What is What was your best airplane moment?
1: My best airplane moment ever um, had to have been my commercial pilot cross country because that was the first time I took an airplane super far out of state. And that was the first time I said to myself, I think I have a future in aviation. Cause you know, when you're a private instrument student it's like, I don't, I feel like I have such a long road ahead of me. After my commercial, I like, I was like pretty close to being done. I'm just sitting there by myself. And I was just like, oh my God, like after this I'm going to go for CFI. And I feel like I can see the road ahead of me. And that was probably like one of my most enlightening memories. I had my Polaroid with me, I took like pictures it was great that's so <laughs> great.
0: cool that's like that. So- it sounds like a movie scene where it's like you know that you kind of made it and like you have figured out a trajectory for your life
1: yeah it was like awesome
0: that's awesome so worst airplane moment
1: worst airplane moment had to have been um one of my absolute worst and this is going to sound funny because it's not like a, like a dying moment either, but was when I popped a tire and I was coming in to land. And like, it wasn't a bad landing or anything, but it was 10 PM. I'd flown like eight or nine hours for the day already. I was coming back from Virginia and I did a landing and it was soft, but I let the nose drop. And I just never, like, I just remember being so disappointed because as the nose came down, it popped. And I just like, you heard the metal screeching <laughs> against the runway. And I was so fed up, so disappointed with myself. I had my mom sitting next to me and she doesn't fly with me often. I was like so mad because I needed it to be good. Like I needed it to be good. Um, so to me, that was like one of my more disappointing moments in aviation. And I got what? over
0: it. What, uh, what happens when when that happens? Like what do you do when your front tire pops on an airplane?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if I wasn't close to my ramp, I'd probably get towed to my ramp, but it was actually like, as I was slowing down, it was right in front of the taxiway that my ramp was into. So I just full powered, <laughs> screeched it across into the <laughs> ramp and shut down.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um. That's so cool. So let me ask you this. Have you had any close calls to double IMC or because you're IFR rated, are you pretty comfortable in that environment?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I think it, it is different for helicopter pilots and airplane pilots. I've had no close calls in helicopters. Thank you. In airplanes, not a worry. I just get a pop-up IFR. Um, it's not something that's, like, scary. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. yeah. That, that's something I, I have to admit. Like, being an instrument-rated helicopter pilot and a CFII, I, I'm still terrified like, I've never gotten IFR because the Robinson R22 and the R44, it's they're, they're not IFR capable. So it's just something that I'm totally not comfortable with. Um, but, the, I mean, that I'm uh, envious of you guys that you get to do that because IFR is such a cool world, and I love IFR procedures, and I, I love the whole thing, um, but we don't get to do it. So uh, you just went on a recent pretty big cross country, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell me about that.
1: So, I did about three thousand five hundred miles, going all the way down to the to Keys, so Key West, Florida. So from zig-zagged, New York. Yeah, from New York, and then I zigzagged Florida all the way up out towards Tennessee, Tennessee, Baltimore, back up. It was like a huge cross country. Um, one of my favorite moments from the cross countries uh, was that I actually got to put my instrument skills to the test. Like I actually was breaking out from approaches at minimums. Um, thankfully, like no miss, like no need for alternates, but, um, it was great because I felt like I really put my skills to the test. And I was, I was scared a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah.
0: That's, <laughs> that close. Yeah. Was it, was it an ILS?
1: Um, I did RNAVs pretty much the whole way through because okay. Those are like my babies. Really? Yeah.
0: Oh no, I dude, I love my ILS's. Like uh, I, I, I <laughs> prefer an ILS approach over an RNAV approach any day. I, I just feel like you can't screw up in ILS.
1: Okay, that's fair. Just because
0: like it's so easy to program. That's so cool. Coming down to minimums on a real approach, like wow.
1: Yeah, I'm just like I thought. Like I was gonna have to wait for the airlines to do that, but like. I just did that recently and I've never gone down that far. So,
0: you know, it's pretty cool. Why, uh, why'd you do this cross country?
1: You know what? It was my last hurrah before like the airlines. Like I knew I was leaving. My friend needed some more cross country hours. And I was just like, you want to split fuel. And cause the airplane um, is like a friend's airplane. Right. Um, and we were just going to split the fuel and the stay the whole way down. So it wasn't like a crazy expensive trip and we were like, let's do it. I was like, I want to do this. So that's what we did.
0: Oh, that's so cool. That's so ah, uh, a big cross country like that. That's something that uh, very rarely happens in helicopters. It's just not really feasible. But so like like at SkyWest, I mean, you'll be flying like across the country every day. Like that's super normal. Um, and helicopters, it's not. Uh, so, it, can can we speak about the SkyWest thing? Like, uh, is that yeah? T- is that totally I, confirmed?
1: Like, it, it's like I'm going to class. Like, as long as I don't screw up my class, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, what are you going to be doing for them?
1: Um. So basically, they just let me choose my jet so far. So I'll be flying the the CRJs for SkyWest. Um, I don't get a base till I actually show up. So I couldn't tell you where I'm going to be living right now, but um, that's pretty much it. I'm going to go through training and uh, for these next two months and then just start my life over at SkyWest.
0: Do you know what type of airplane you're going to be flying the first one? CRJ. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Can you elaborate? Because I know that that's like a Citation regional jet, right?
1: That's the Canada air regional jet. It's, um, it's like your little hop like from like if you fly from like here like Chicago you probably flew on it it's like just small um
0: are those jet. like are those like the American Eagle looking ones
1: American like the you see like the on the side it has like American on them yeah American Delta United yeah that's yeah. like that
0: oh that's like a that's like a pretty real plane that's like a big one
1: yeah it's like a jet <laughs> so <laughs> I mean I'm excited for it
0: um so let me ask you this. What do, where do you see yourself five years from today?
1: Five years from today, um, if I'm not in a, at, a, at a major airline, um, which I probably will be, um, I am probably doing CFI for helicopter on the side of me working at a major airline, or at this point, probably... Uh, working air tourists somewhere with helicopters, or maybe like a state police department.
0: That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Mm. Um, And what do people get most wrong about you? I know that's kind of like an open ended question, but what do people get wrong about you?
1: You know, I saw that one. I was trying to think. Um, I think people get wrong the wrong impression of me. Um, I think people think I'm meaner than what i actually am because i'm from new york gotten a lot of oh my god here comes new york new york pilots you hear like new york trade con all the time um i'm like a, a genuinely like a super nice person all the time so like when i come on the radios and people like <laughs> get intimidated i'm like i wish i wish you weren't intimidated yeah but uh, <laughs> yeah that's pretty much it
0: so speaking about that new york thing uh do you have like a ton of experience in all of New York City's Bravos.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I could um, definitely walk you through the Skyline tour anytime. Um, I've also done it in a helicopter, so that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm not afraid of the Bravos.
0: (laughs) No, and so the reason I ask that is because I went to school out in Hawaii at Mauna Loa Helicopters. Um, They're one of the big helicopter schools out there, and the most experience I got there um, was Delta's and Charlie's and I felt pretty comfortable with that but then I was like and then I took the job here in New York and out of our Stewart location we fly into New York City in those Bravos and I'm not sure if there is a more intense airspace than New York City Bravos so I was freaking out um, but uh one thing I have to say is I think those controllers are some of the best in the world They are like so good, so kind, and they really know what they're doing.
1: They do. They can like, you know, be like fierce, like pack a punch, but it's just because they know what they're doing. Um, I've flown through LA's airspace. Honestly, Atlanta's, the only ones I, the only one I haven't made it through is Chicago. So I can't speak on Chicago's airspace, but New York by far tops all of them
0: easily. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, and like in like difficulty or quality, what do you mean?
1: Difficulty maneuvering around the airspace, knowing what you're doing, um speaking to the controllers. Like I tell my students, if you can learn the radios here, if you can be confident speaking around these bravos and knowing where you're going, you take this same experience and you go down to like, you know, like Oklahoma City or something. Like I'm like, you'll have no problem, yeah. zero
0: yeah exactly it's 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 fierce up here but i've i've had nothing but pretty good experiences about there um now let me ask you this before i kind of want to finish talking about TikTok, but before we go there do you regret any of the process or would you change anything on how you did it
1: i regret nothing if you ever sit down and talk to me I'll, i might tell you to a certain extent, I wish I was a helicopter CFI right now, working on airplane stuff. Um, I don't know, my Wi-Fi is cutting out for a second here. Uh, but that's I have zero regrets. I know my life is supposed to work out in a certain way, and I still got into helicopters. So that's that's what I'm gonna say about that.
0: Yeah, hell yeah. I, I really, I really appreciate that. So, okay, I want to talk about TikTok. So, um, how many TikTok followers do you have?
1: Oh, I think as of this morning, like 11.5K.
0: Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. So one of, the, one of the things that I have seen, and you can speak to this too, but I don't know if TikTok is really good at just like shoving you the things that you want to see, but there's a pretty big aviation and pilot niche and group on TikTok.
1: You know, I didn't expect it until like I was posting aviation stuff. And people just gravitate. I'm like, how many of you guys are out there? That's
0: yeah. A lot. <laughs> and there's yeah. a lot of people that, one one thing that I'm sure you can agree with, but I I guess in the day-to-day, we get so used to what we're doing, like teaching and flying, but there's so many people that wish they could do what we could do um, and are just envious, so envious of the opportunities that we have. And I think TikTok's like a really cool platform that we can just share and give, give them like, they can sit in the aircraft with us. So that's kind of one of the ways I like to think about it. Just like, let them into our world.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I feel like it's that kind of platform where you can invite the person in. You can make fun of yourself. You can just like, you know, make all these random videos and really just extend it out to anyone. Like Like, I get that.
0: Yeah, and a, a lot of people talk talk badly about it, but I think it is an incredible platform for connecting with people, obviously like what we're doing. A couple months ago, I would know nothing about you, but now like I've been following you and we've had this conversation. It, it's a cool platform. So speaking of that, um, would you like to shout yourself out at all your TikTok or your Instagram?
1: Yeah, so my TikTok is Sabrina Lee L E E J um it's just an aviation account if you want to go follow that and my instagram handle is sabrinajxx but it's got two b's and then the two x's at the end
0: i'll I'll throw Um, them up and i'll put them in the description of this video um sabrina i can't thank you enough for coming on you had so many cool things to say and really insightful do you have anything else you want to want to leave with
1: No, just thank you for inviting me on today. I'm really glad that uh, you asked me.
0: Yeah, no, this, this was great. And thank you so much. Take care, okay?
1: All right, bye.
0: Bye.